Hey everyone, Josh here. Quick question for you. Do you like coffee? Even more important question, do you like fresh coffee? Coffee that's roasted to order and doesn't taste like the bottom of your kitchen oven. If you answered yes to any of these questions, then you need to head over to McQuanoCoffee.com and get yourself some of the best coffee there is to get. Whether you like the light roast or the dark roast or you're feeling a little whimsical and you want to get that sample pack, McQuano Coffee Roasters has everything you need. And just when you thought this couldn't get any sweeter, make sure to use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. Do yourself a favor and stop drinking bad coffee because you know what? Life's too short for that. Head on over to McQuanoCoffee.com and use the promo code REFORMATORY to get 20% off all bagged coffee. You will not regret it. Thanks, and now on to the show. What's wrong with you people? How do y'all feel this morning? Why do you always make me define what you meant? What? That's how I feel. I don't know why you're clapping. I'm talking about you. Hello and welcome to the Reformatory, the podcast for the local church by the local church. My name is Josh Loftus, and I'm here in this great place with a great man, a great speaker of words, a great wearer of work badges and vests <laughs> and snazzy pointed shoes, Jack Berry. <laughs> I some people. So here's a funny thing. My name, my tag name on. Twitter is Jack the Baptist. Jack the Baptist. And yes, that is because of my Baptist leanings towards theological works. Leanings? But also... We are fat in the middle of... But, we are 1689. But also, I like to emulate John the Baptist. And I got called out by Joe Thorne saying... Yeah, you did. And it was fair. And he said, hey, if you're going to have... If you're going to say this, you better be wearing some shaggy looking clothing... And eating bugs out in the desert somewhere. I'm going to bring some honey and locusts, (laughs) grasshoppers. I'm going to make you eat them. And then I have to get a sackcloth or some sort of... Wrap it around your waist. Or some sort of homeless attire. It was like camel skin, wasn't it? Yeah, something along those lines. So anyway, uh, yes, that is my name, Jack the Baptist on Twitter, if you want any kind of musings, which actually we'll be bringing up one of the musings... Oh. Today, from a tweet that I sent out, are we now? Uh oh, on something, okay. but yeah, I guess so. What I guess so. you were saying? But, what's the yeah. stupidest thing I've done? As yeah, a kid? we were having a conversation <laughs> before before recording, and we just decided to hit record because I thought it might be interesting. Jack, Jack, knowing you and me, yeah, and our propensity to do stupid things now, <laughs> given you know, time equals wisdom. In most cases, I think back to how we must have been, how I know I was, and how you must have been as a child. Um, what's the stupidest thing that you can recall doing as a kid? I don't know if it was stupid, but I definitely know that it was it was a total abandonment for my life. Okay, sort of, yeah, or disregard for we'll go for, it. for my well being. 
We, I lived across the street from a huge, from a middle school, and then the elementary school was right near my house as well, too. So basically, like, the middle school's in front of me, and then the, and then the elementary school is down the block from me. And so what we, so what I used to do, actually, the middle school had a track that got asphalted. And dude, that became my chariot race. Oh, no. Dude. I would get my bike and I would start doing tricks. Oh, no. And then I would challenge other kids in the neighborhood to race me, like Ben Hur chariot style like racing no, like, around the track. Like you got like the spikes on your wheels. I didn't like have spinning. The, <laughs> I didn't have the, dude, I would get sticks and stick them in my pants and like put them under my shirt and then take them out and then try and like hit people with them and stuff. Yes. Dude, it was like some, me- some, <laughs> some middle-class Mad Max kid, kid racing of bikes going on around that track. It was, there were times where, dude, so there was grass right there in the middle. So if I push somebody, they could fall over in the grass and they would be okay most of the time. But there was a fence around that thing. And if you got pushed in that fence, you're donezo, dude. It is game and thus, over. the legend of Bro Jack was born. <laughs> He's like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to join the army and get paid to no, do this. <laughs> I didn't even think about that until I was probably 18, maybe. So. Okay, so, so basically I ask you, what's the stupidest thing you ever done, you ever did as a kid? And your response is basically just you being a jerk to other kids. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I mean, trying to be Charlton Heston. Can, yeah, a ruthless Charlton Heston to them. Yes. And if you know, if the competitor happened to get drug under the wheels of my bike, so be it. You know. <laughs> All right. Well, um, mine mine's not really in that vein, but I I can remember. Now, the, the sad thing was what comes to my mind first. I wasn't really a kid. I, I was in high school. Yeah. So I was probably like a junior in high school, which which I guess is a kid. Sure. Yeah. But um, in the town where I grew up, uh, I had an uncle that lived there, and he had a crappy, beat up, like old blue van, just like an old Ford, just junk right a team van uh almost n- no? kind of kind of yeah yeah like 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 double doors yeah right and big yeah. slider you know s- stuff like that um crappy old van and i would see it going around town all the time right because uh, he was the only one in town that had that kind of van so i thought so i'm driving i think it's like after wrestling practice or something like that yeah and i pass uh the junction which is the little like gas station where all the teens hang out. It's the cool yeah. spot. You get corn dogs and Skittles and you hang out at the, the junction. Greasers and the show socias hang That's out. exactly <laughs> right. Exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got guys there with like 1950s haircuts and leather jackets like snapping, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, and I see his van. I'm like, oh, I'm going to get him. So it's like, all right, he's parked at the junction. He's in, you know, getting Skittles or something. So I climb in the back of his van. And I'm in the back. I'm in the very back of his van. I'm like, oh, he's going to come in. I'm going to scare the living daylights out of him. And it's going to be hilarious. Oh, right? No, so I've got like a line of sight where I'm laying down to the the doors of, of the gas station. Right? And I'm waiting and I'm waiting and I'm waiting. Nothing's happening. And finally, this dude comes out. Uh, this uh, Hispanic dude. Big Hispanic dude. He comes out. He's got a bag of stuff. I don't know what it is. And he starts walking toward the van. 
And in my mind, I'm like, what's going on? Like, my mind's not connecting the fact that (laughs) it is possible for (laughs) multiple people to have the same model of car. And this dude comes to the van and, like, the shock and the dread and the horror that comes over my body. Oh, yeah. As he's getting closer and closer and not deviating. Dude, I was in his van. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) He opens the door and gets in, closes the door. And I'm not kidding. 100% not lying. I had two thoughts in my head. And one of them, the very first one, was ride this out until he stops <laughs> and get out wherever he parks oh, no. and try to get back to town. That was the prevailing thought. But then I thought, no, that's not going to be good because I don't know. Like, I, I don't know this dude. I don't know where he's going to take me. Right. So he gets in the van. And the only thing that I can think to say is uh, I just go, <laughs> excuse me, sir. <laughs> He freaks out. He freaks out. Like jumps. And he like he's like, what? And he like gets out of the van. And like as I'm like, I'm like trying to climb over the seat as I'm apologizing. I'm like, sir, I'm sorry. I thought it was my I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm trying. I'm just thought it was my uncle's van. The dude did not speak a lick of English. Yeah. Not one word of English. And he's just watching me as this scared white boy climbs out of his van (laughs) and like just apologizes and I walk away and he's just sitting there staring at me. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. I'm sorry. And I get in my car and I drive off so fast. (laughs) And I just, I look in the rearview mirror and he's just sitting there like dumbfounded. Like what just happened? Oh my gosh. So moral of the story, don't climb into people's vans. Yeah. You know, even if they promise Skittles and free Wi-Fi, it's just, just don't do it. (laughs) Skittles and free. Just don't do That's it. basically called Uber these days, Josh. So hey, you know what? That's true, you, dude. When you get in the back of that Uber and you see a, you see a little bowl of candy there. Game on, baby. Well, yeah, but then I start thinking like my mind goes to like Hollywood and be like, man, this thing's laced. Oh, like yeah. you're gonna knock me out. <laughs> I'm gonna wake up Shanghai. I'm gonna wake up in a box on my way to Taratuga. <laughs> Taratuga. Ter- Ter- Taratuga? Is that a is that a place? Paraguay. I don't know. Uh. Can't man do. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Jack, what are we talking about today, man? Uh, we we are talking about a very interesting thing. Uh, like I said, I have some musings over on the Twitter. I put up a tweet talking about um, a thing, a thing that I've been seeing within a lot of men and how they view work, and how either they will view work in a very um, performance based way or a way in which it's a little bit more biblical per se. So I, if you want more information about what I'm going to talk about, it's actually in a book. You can get it on Amazon. You can download it right now. It's actually in the short series of biblical theology. And that is a great series of works uh, by different um, theologians some of them I know, some of them I don't know. Doesn't uh, Crossway put that out? Crossway, Crossway puts that right? out. Yeah. And then, let's see, uh, Dane Ortland is actually one of the editors of this series. His name has popped up every, you know, once once or twice he in the past couple months. of the gentle and lowly category, if you will. <laughs> that Dane Ortland. We're supposed to hate him. 
no. Oh, no, baby. What Ooh, you doing? What you doing, baby? So uh, this book that I'm going to recommend is called Work and Our Labor in the Lord. It's by James M. Hamilton, Jr. He's a biblical theology professor at, I think, Southern Seminary. But basically... Um, so he knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah, yeah. And I think you and I, you and I, when we first met, it was at the Doc and Devo conference when he was talking about biblical theology. Oh, yeah. that's him. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, Kind of yeah. like flat top I remember that. Dude. I liked him a lot. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. So he is the author of that book. But, and this will, that book will deep dive into just the sampling, just the surface level of what we're talking about today, which is, do you, as a image bearer of God, view work in a way that is edifying and you view it through a biblical lens or do you view it strictly through a secular lens? I kind of ask this question to my life group that I lead, uh, which is, which is men. And I said, well, how do you, you know, work came up and some guys were like, I feel I struggle with, with going to work and dedicating that work to the Lord, uh, versus being very performance driven, task driven, punch in, get my task done, punch out. I get my paycheck. I go home. I take care of my family. Versus I think what most of us are missing out on is the fact that God is using you for the work that he has for you in the world and in the story and history of redemption in that you get to basically be empowered to be an ambassador for Jesus in your workplace, but also provide something that may be a blessing to somebody. I'll give my story just what I do. So I help out primarily service members who are leaving the military and they're trying to get a certificate or some sort of degree to help them out in their time of transition so they can set up and hopefully, you know, be ready to go in their time of transition. And so the blessing that I get to have is basically help them with resources and funding, hopefully at the college level, help them navigate that and then Hopefully they'll get that certificate and they'll go into a really good um, livable wage kind of job and career. So I view my work as very much a blessing to them, very much a way in which I can help them and during this difficult time where they're going through a life change. But also maybe I have a ton. I have a du- my my station set up where I have some books on the church. I think one of them is actually by... Gosh, I think it's either Nehemiah Cox, who's a particular Baptist from the 17th century. Oh, yeah, way back. Uh, it's of the tr- what is a true church or something along those lines. I can't remember who the author is, but he's a particular Baptist theologian of the of the 16th or 17th century. And so I have that. I have uh, some other books out there too, and it's been a good conversation starter sometimes where I know that in the workplace it's a little bit, you're like, can I share the gospel with sure, people? Sure, sure, sure. Can I do this or not? So I view my work as definitely a blessing to uh, people and just flourishing uh, in a general kind of common grace way. And so are we viewing work in that way or are we viewing it as just we're cogs in the wheel kind of way? I guess that's one of what I want to bring up in that this episode, if you will. Yeah, I, I think I think with that kind of comes the the danger of looking at your work or your employment as what what defines you. Yeah, uh, and I think especially as men, we have a problem with that. I think 
I think women struggle with that as well. I think it. it I think it's possibly different. You know, yeah. I think it's possibly like being a wife or being a mom. And if you're not those things, then you're not fulfilling. You know, yeah. all of those issues, right? Um, but I know, I can speak speaking from what I know, I know that men truly do struggle with identifying with something other than Christ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we struggle with that. Yeah. I know I do. Yeah. Um, and more than often, that default position is to identify with what it is you do. Yeah. Right? What do you do for work? Well, I'm a police officer. I'm a programmer. I'm a pastor. You know, yeah. I'm a fill-in-the-blank, right? And we tend to look at the work that we do, whatever that is, as the main thing that defines us as men. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and that can, I won't say can, that will cause problems. Yeah. Because as often happens, when you are using something other than Christ and your position as a Christian to define who you are, uh, you're not defining yourself with anything that has any real foundation, mm-hmm. right? Because our work can come and go. We know that in 2020. Oh, yeah. Right? 2020 took a whole bunch of people's jobs out. And 2020, uh, you know, <clears throat> with a bad economy and all that, like a lot of people lost their jobs, right? Yeah. And if you're looking for, you, if you're looking to your employment and the things that you do as a means of defining who you are, you're going to be a miserable, stressed out wreck, Oh, yeah. Because those things come and go pretty quickly, right? And you're going to find very quickly that it doesn't hold the foundation that Christ and his gospel does, right? Yeah, I would say that it, this this depends greatly upon what vocation you're in. If you are in a trade or maybe the military or maybe business or sales, performance is at most Everything. the pinnacle if you're not selling, if you're not getting all these different things, then you're not performing, you're not doing your job, you stink, you suck, you're not meeting the standard, all these other things. And that shame sometimes defines men so much that they take that on, they don't talk about it, they bottle it up, they let bitterness sink into their hearts, and then next thing you know, they've abandoned the faith, they've abandoned all these other things. So, Well, and... Is like that's not going to change because the secular world world isn't using scripture and the gospel to be their barometer for what success looks like, right? Yeah, correct. If you're in sales, the more sales you have, the more accepted you are, right? If you're in the military, how well you follow orders and execute those orders, the better soldier you are, right? Uh, and we, and even in the church, even in the local church, the better speaker you are, the more successful of a pastor you are yeah the more twitter followers you have oh yeah uh, the more influence you have right i mean we we set we're really good at setting barometers and qualifiers for what deems success um outside of the realm of scripture yeah which is where we get what that barometer for success looks like right mm-hmm. so we're living in that world all the time and you're never going to add up yeah. Right? There's always going to be somebody better. Yeah. There's always going to be someone who can sell more. There's yeah. always going to be somebody who can run faster. There's always going to be someone who can speak better, right? Yeah. So our barometer has to be something else. It has to be something other than what the world says. This is how you define what success looks like. We in the local church need to have a different barometer. Yeah, exactly. I think also, too, just striving to remind yourself, if you're dealing with people a lot of the time in your work, 
maybe you do something along the lines like that I do, which is very a social service kind of based in higher education. Um, you got to prep yourself because you're going to deal with difficult people and you got to prep yourself daily to say, these are image bearers that I'm dealing with. These are frailed, flawed people that I need to be on my A game to make sure that they are, that I'm showing them grace, that I put myself in a place of humility. If I get called out on something, let me explore that. Let me go to my supervisor and say, do you see these things in me or do I need to change? What do I need to do? And you're, you're taking on that, that mode of humility and then you're, you keep pressing forward in that. And that's not slowing down, but that you have to make sure that you're reminding yourself daily of the gospel and that these are flawed people that I'm working with and I will help. How can I be that sweet smelling fragrance of Christ to them and maybe the short interactions that I have? So how do we begin to change the way that we think? Because it comes down to our minds, right? How do we begin to change the way that we think and change our mentality as we're living in a world that bombards us with the opposite of what Scripture says? Yeah, defines success and defines um, who you know our our um, identity. Yeah, how do we begin to make that shift within the church to showing people like, look, what you do, although it's good, and we should strive to strive to be the best at what we do, right? It's not what defines us, right? How do you keep that balance of not letting it define who you are, but also giving it everything you've got because that's what Christians do. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think excellence is a bad thing to strive after in your work. I don't think that's bad. I think doing a great job and putting a, a, a kind of a, a model of excellence on that is not a bad thing to do. But I also think that that shouldn't define you either. So there needs to be a mechanism that you have where you can put it down. <laughs> If you are not defined, if you're not having clear demarcation boundary zones of I stop looking at email and doing this here, right here, right now, if it's a eight to eight to five job, stop at five o'clock. If it's something that you have to do to like, hey, you know, you text one of your friends in between your breaks or something like that. I know that I send Marcos to you all the time when I have stressful days. Oh yeah, we talk mess all with each the time, other. baby. Yeah. Uh, or I text my wife, or I call my wife, and I get myself out of that mode to push me back into the mission of you got to love people, Jack. You got to be compassionate, show humility, live out the gospel in this way. Um, having those little nudges throughout the day, and it only makes work sweeter when you have fellow believers alongside you in that mission. So yeah, I mean, I would say if you don't have fellow believers alongside you, start to see if there's any believers there at your work. I know that I've gone into certain workspaces and I've found those people because I was intentional with conversations. I brought up stuff that maybe usually most people wouldn't. And then I'm like, oh, you're a believer. And then the relationship grew more and more. And it was kind of this co-laboring that was happening. So if there's not a specific person that you can go to within your work try to at least I don't know about forcing yourself but try to like put yourself into a place where you can nudge yourself or move into a place where people are speaking the gospel into your life somehow or just checking in on you I guess well and guess where that's found Local church. Yeah. <laughs> that's I thought you were going to say TikTok and I'm like no, no we can't go on TikTok, TikTok. Good gracious. 
No, that's where Joe Thorne looks for it. But, but that's not. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Joe Joe. Just kidding. Um, no, no, that's 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 exactly right. And and you know something kind of an offshoot. Something that I found too is. Uh, you want to be careful not to go too far on the other end of the spectrum and see the work that God has you doing in the secular world as useless. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think often people, and I know, I know I've struggled with this. I've talked to many individuals that have struggled with this, struggle to see how the mundane job that they do is glorifying to God. Like how is this advancing the kingdom? Right. How is this, how am I bringing God glory? You know, coding this website or you know, digging this hole or, yeah. you know, take, you know, um, arresting this drug addict for the hundredth time this month. Sure. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, and I would say there's a great quote. Some people say Martin Luther said it. Some people say it's false. He didn't say it. It's a great quote. I'm going to give it to him because it sounds like something he would say. He said the, the, um, the Christian shoemaker. Oh yeah. I doesn't do his, his, uh, duty to God by putting little crosses on all his shoes. Yeah, yeah. He does his duty to God by making good shoes. Yeah. Because God loves good craftsmanship. Yeah. Right? And whether he said that or not, not the point. The message is important. Yeah. That you don't need to somehow Christianize everything that you do. Yeah. Right? And somehow make it like, oh, see, it's church ministry. You know, some jobs just aren't. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. You do your work to the glory of God by being a good worker by working in excellence to the glory of God, knowing yeah. that, yes, you are working for a secular boss, mm-hmm. but ultimately your work is under the Lord. Yeah. Right? And you, the way that you interact with people, like Jack was saying, you, you, you be humble, you be authentic, you be real, you show love and compassion to people, you work hard, you don't cheat, you don't lie on your time card, yeah. right? You don't spend half the day watching YouTube videos when you should be working, <laughs> right? I know, I know, yeah. I know that hits me real hard. Yeah. Um, again, there's nothing wrong with watching YouTube videos while you're working. It's yeah. it's more the the wasting time, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, we work and work hard because we know that brings honor to God. Yeah. But at that same time, understand that that work is not what defines you. Yeah. It's not your identity. Your identity is found in the fact that you have been purchased and paid for by the blood of Christ. Yeah. That's what defines you. And that's what should be our on on at the front of our minds as we work because that gives us when we have that as the in the front of our minds that provides the correct focus and motivation for how we engage in work. And you are also a product of his excellency of work. Ooh, that's good. You follow are, that thread. Keep you, pulling that. You are you are a product of Christ's excellency in showing how he displays himself. Oh. That the work is is absolutely started and not completed, but there is excellency in that work to begin with. That's right. And it's applied by the Holy Spirit. And it keeps growing and growing. It's like almost it, it's I, I don't know. You could equate this. This is a very this this illustration. It's probably said by different pastors, preachers, and teachers, but it's like taking a block of wood or a block of marble and every hit that you make on that marble or that wood to craft what you're making, it may look useless and formless, but over time, it's accomplishing what it needs to do to be be made in the image that God's making it for his excellency. 
I just can't. I shot from the hip on. Oh, uh, dude, you <laughs> you HB Charles that son. That was no, good. no, that no, was no, good no. Stuff. If I, I was like HB Charles, I would have. There would have been piano. Let me tell you today, people. Oh, dude, dude. Well, and dude, that's so. I mean, my only problem with that is I feel like my my head is that block of wood, and nobody started chipping on it yet. It's still it's still a block. Like I don't know what to do with that, but you know that's that's probably another yeah. It's another conversation. But yeah, no, dude, that's that's exactly right. Like you and we we in reform circles hate the like we love to loathe ourselves. Yeah. We love to feel like uh, we're 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 dirt and we're dead and we're everything worms. every you aspect nasty little worm. Every <laughs> aspect of who I am is just 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 the scum off of Satan's feet, right? And yes, we were dead. But you're not dead anymore. But God. <laughs> but but God. God. Exactly. In his mercy, in his compassion, raised you from the dead, yes. made you a co-heir with Christ, is renewing you by the power of the Holy Spirit to make you more in the image of Jesus. Amen. Yeah. That is what your identity is. Yeah. And we need to be reminded of that. Yeah. And we need to be... We need to be in an environment to where that is paramount. The truth of what of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. Because yeah. when you have that mentality, like I said earlier, that's going to affect and give you give you the the filter of how to view everything you do in your life. Yeah. Your relationships, your service at church, your work, people you hang out with, yeah. your hobbies, like everything's going to be filtered through that. And that provides the correct motivations, right? Yeah. When we begin to have the wrong motivations and begin to identify with things we shouldn't identifying with, it's because we have lost that filter. Yeah. Like we need we need to keep that scriptural filter in front of our eyes so that when we work, when we play, when we hang out, when we talk and when we serve, all of it is done through that identity, through Christ. Also as well, too, I think we vastly underestimate the fact that our identity is as missionaries for Jesus. Ooh, there we go. A good mentor of mine within the military always used to say, Jack, you are not a officer in the army. You are a missionary that gets paid by the government to be an ambassador for Christ in these specific areas. And you are called to do those things. So when I get up in the morning... I want to go to work because I'm a missionary in that workplace. How can I be a missionary in that workplace? How can I be a good ambassador and a good sent one in that workplace? So, Hundo, cosine, <laughs> cosine. Oh, now you're cosine. No, I'm cosine. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. I got nothing to add to that. No, that's all. That's all good stuff. So. We want to encourage you, whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, whatever it is that the Lord has you doing, your identity is found in Christ. Yeah. Not what you do. Yeah. What you do is good. Strive for excellence. Yeah. Strive to be the the hardest work worker there. Yeah. Whatever it is you're doing. Yeah. Whether you're, you know, you're in the you're in the military, whether you're a programmer, whether you're leading a team of construction workers whether you're a mom yep. whether you're a teacher yep. whatever it is the Lord has you doing do it with excellence not because of how it makes you feel or what it makes you look like but because of who has purchased you and yeah. his excellence uh, flows through you Yeah, right 
um, that's what we do. Yeah. yeah. And there's huge encouragement and there's huge freedom in that, man. Yeah. There's so much freedom in that. Yeah. And when you have that mentality, like it takes so much pressure off, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. Big time. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, and whatever you do, whatever you do, I'll, I'll end with this. Do not get in random people's vans. Yeah, Josh. Don't get in random people's vans because no it's matter how much stupid. candy or cash they got, and it's you weird. ain't doing it. And I just like you're an idiot if you do that. Just, just plain and simple, you're an idiot. I don't care if it looks like your uncle's van. Don't get in any vans. Don't get in your uncle's van. No, don't do that. Even if it's your uncle, don't get in his van. No, don't get in any vans. Period. Yes, unless you own it. Yeah, I no will vans. say unless. Mr. T's driving that van, and the A team pulls up and says, "Okay, we if need Mr. permission." Okay, <laughs> if, if if Mr. T pulls up in a van, I'm for sure getting in that van, it, dude. If a van pulls up and the guy even resembles Mr. T, I'm getting in that van. If a van pulls up and there's a black guy in the front with a mohawk and gold chains, I'm getting in that van. I'm getting in it. I don't care. Get in, like, sucker, dude. Like like the benefits far outweigh the risks at that point because it's most likely going to be bad. But it could be so freaking cool. <laughs> Jack, get us out of here, man. So uh, you can find us uh, in our musings here on social media, if you will. Uh, we are on three different social media sites. We are on... Not TikTok. Not TikTok. We yet. ain't touching that. Yeah. We are on the tw- the Tweaker, the little blue bird site. Yeah, speaking of Vans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we... Uh. we <laughs> We are on the Instagram, if you will, and also the Facebook, all at Reformatory Pod. If you would go over to some, if you go to Apple Podcasts, you can rate us five stars. Please yep. do so. We appreciate that. Write us a review. And we'll, uh, we'll greatly have your name. Josh will say it better than me. What is it, Josh? It's, it it's just, well, if you do that, definitely, um, but, but more, more, even more so, yes. head over to Patreon. Oh, yeah. Become there a patron. Go. There we go. Right? There we go. Uh, for the cost of, I mean, like pittance, tuppence, tuppence, biscuits, if you will, biscuits. <laughs> you can cookies for all you Americans. Become a Patreon supporter <laughs> if you appreciate what we're doing. And our vow to you is that your name will be hallowed, hallowed, hallowed through hallowed. the halls of this podcast. It's gonna happen. It will happen. Uh, we appreciate all your guys' support. We appreciate your likes, your reviews. Uh, look for us on Instagram Lives. New episodes every Thursday. Big Eva has sung, so we done. We thank you all for all your support and your listening. And we will catch you on the next step of The Reformatory. (laughs) 